Okay, how's everybody? Thank you, Laura. That was great selection of music. And, um, you know, worship time is for us to come out of the world and get our hearts ready, get into the word. I do hope and pray that every week that y'all come, did you guys realize this is the 65th year of Chris Townsend's Bible study? Amazing. Amazing. And how many hearts have been saved? How many marriages have been blessed uh, by the message uh, from God's word? And just our own hearts, uh, we grow, don't we? And I, I just pray that this is more to you than a friendship club. Um, this is a place to really find the Lord and set aside time during the week to, to, um, to learn instead of to speak. This semester, we're going to start out by talking about, uh, we're going to give a little heart check up this morning. And then the rest of the month, we'll be talking about just distinguishing the voices and discernment and sound-mindedness in, in the way we act and the way we think and the way we love. February will be all marriage. So, um, you know, we'll be talking about communication. We'll be talking about the differences between men and women. We're talking about, you won't hear that hardly anywhere else. Uh, that's always a great encouragement. Lots of giggles and lots of twirling going on. We have fun with that that month. And then March, we actually have a panel planned, uh, kind of walking us through how we counsel. And we also are going to have two banquets this year. You know, last <laughs> December when we got together on our last time, we had a ministry uh, project and we had lunch. And I had to actually drag girls out here. And I and they stayed in the parking lot. I, you know, it's like this, we need more time. So we decided we'd do, we'd do an extra banquet. We won't have a service project. We'll just be here to, to really get some time to fellowship. We're always dragging uh, people. You know, we, they come in at 12.01 to change the room over. So we have to be out. So I always feel like the bully. So we'll try to help that a little bit. Um, just be praying right now. There's a lot of flu going around, a lot of COVID, a lot of respiratory stuff. Um, so I don't see, and then, a lot of kids just went back to school this week. So it's a busy week for moms. I don't see a lot of the young moms here. I do hope that they'll catch the um, podcast. We do the podcast. You can find that on Spotify or on our website. Um, and we love those little families, don't we? So um, let's just start with a, a quick word of prayer. Dear Jesus, I just pray that you would um, give us this 30 or 40 minutes, Lord, and second hour, two, just to sit at your feet to learn, to listen, to grow, Lord, to hear what you have to say to us. I thank you for everyone that's here. I pray for the women that are at home. I pray for families that are busy and maybe struggling with illness right now. We just pray that you'd be with them, bless them, grow them. And I just pray, Lord, to, uh, to be clear in what I say today. I pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're a resolution maker, chances are, and you started January 1st, you probably already broke it, <laughs> right? The stats for resolutions are abysmal. Uh, why do we make resolutions? You know, we, we want to be better. We want to get better. We want to fix things. And um, but a lot of times, maybe our resolutions are too hard to keep. We haven't had real expectations. We don't have enough detail to really follow through. And sometimes you're just not willing to work very hard. <laughs> a week's enough, 10 days, you know. And sometimes we're too vague or specific and our expectations are, are just not realistic. So um, 
And I don't think that's really how God would have us work. I think God wants, he has real change designed for us and it comes from the inside out. It comes from the heart. So I thought a better way, just a little caveat, nothing wrong with making goals. Nothing wrong as long as the, the, the end desire is to glorify God. Right? We have to plan. We have to set things before us. God tells us, you know, to plan. But we also have to take it day to day and live in his spirit day to day. And um, so, and that all comes from the heart. So let's start by looking at the heart. Heart check number one. Now, I left um, all your handouts on my <laughs> printer. So voila, it's here. However, I do think that this will uh, time out and then when it does, Crystal just shut it. But it is in your email at home. So all you gotta do is open it up if you can't remember what verse I said or whatever it's in the notes. But there it is for this morning, I apologize. So let's just start. So we're still in Psalm 119. We're not gonna stick to it as hard this year as we did last semester, but it is the foundation for our year. David just gives us so much to think about. And we can so relatable. So I just want to review the first um, eight verses. Psalm 119. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed. When I look into all your commandments, when I look into all your commandments, I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. It's hard to stop because the whole, it's the longest uh, book in the Bible and it's really hard to put down because it's also relatable and encouraging and it shows us the struggle. Um, I wanted to point out, um, you know, he, the very first verse, David starts out talking about God. And it's really important that we understand who God is. We're not talking about just a higher power. We're not talking about a God of our own making or a God of our wishes and dreams or a God of good luck or anything like that. We're talking about the God of the Bible. And there's lots of places where I take a little time in the second hour to kind of look through that whole chapter. But if we look at, um, I'm just going to go through a few here. He gives us pictures of God in Psalm 119.90. He says, he's talking to God, you establish the earth and it abides. David sees God as the creator and the sustainer of our world and our earth. It says, your faithfulness endures to all generations. He sees God as faithful. In verse 75, it says, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. He's got this complete trust that God is right and true. In verse 98, he says, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. God's word is wise. His commandments are wise. And in verse 68, it says, you are good and do good. So God is not, he doesn't, God doesn't just possess these qualities. God is these qualities. He's the source of these qualities. 
qualities of love and truth and wisdom and justice, mercy, faithfulness. We only know those things because of Christ. David's God is absolute. You know what David realizes that I think we've lost sight of? David realizes as a human being, he needs to come God's way. God, tell me. God, tell me. God, teach me. And in our generation, we're like, yeah, but what about this? And I'd like to do it this way. You know, we try to mold God into what we want and into our desires. It's completely opposite of the God of the Bible and what he asks of us. So that shows a huge um, part of humility on David's part. So the place to start in having a heart change is by knowing who Jesus is, knowing this God of the Bible. Um, he's everlasting and can change our hearts. He wants our hearts, our minds, our souls. He wants us to put that all in his care. So we look at ourselves, we examine ourselves, we see that we're sinners. We confess to God our, our sin and we ask Jesus to forgive us and he does. And the reason he can forgive us and the reason it counts is because he died on the cross to pay the price of our sins. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And only Jesus can pay that price. It's a big price to pay. And he's paid it for each of us. All we have to do is accept it. He's not asking us to do anything. He's asking us to believe. I think it's really wonderful, too. David trusts this Jesus, this God, so very much that he even trusts him with the hard things in life. In verse 71, it says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. David's willing to take whatever comes from the hand of God. It is good for me. How many times do we say that? Oh, this is good for me. <laughs> That's not usually what we say. We say, wait, 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 this is so hard. Yeah, we don't usually thank God for our affliction. And then in 70, verse 75, again, I know, oh Lord, that your judgments are right. And that in faithfulness, you have afflicted me. You know, for our children, we want to give them what's good and we don't want them to hurt, right? It's so hard for us to watch our children hurt. God has a bigger love for us. He's willing to even afflict us. If it's what he deems as best. So number one of the heart checkup is know him. Do I know him? Heart checkup number two is their fruit. It's a good sound. <laughs> is there fruit in my life? There's some ways we can look at our life to decide if, we, if we're seeing fruit. Well, you can ask your husband. <laughs> I just thought of that one. <laughs> Be ready for the answer. Um, I'm kidding. Um, do we have a growing capacity to understand God's love and sacrifice? You know, I think when we're first saved, we understand that it's this miraculous, wonderful thing for the most part. But as we don't really understand that until we grow in the Lord. We don't understand how big our God is and how great the sacrifice to send his only son. And it's kind of like as parents, we can kind of relate to that, can't we? It's like, 
this little baby comes along and we give it everything it needs and it has absolutely no appreciation for how much you give up for it. <laughs> you know? I'm not sleeping, kid. You're costing me a lot of money. You know, I'm, you're making me worry. You're sick. All these things that we go through as parents and our children are just oblivious. But as they grow, hopefully they begin to understand. And then certainly when they have their own children, then they begin to see, hey, my folks gave up a lot for me. They really do love me. So then my understanding... As time goes on, God really does. And the more time I spend with him, the more I see that. The amazing thing about God's love is he loved us even when we were dead in our sin and trespasses. Even when we were unlovable, God loved us. He peels back those layers, you know, as you grow. I don't think God ever designed it for us to see the whole picture all at once. You know, how devastating it would be <laughs> the day you became a believer to see how really rotten your heart is, you know? I think we'd all just keel over and die. But he gives it to us in little pieces, and he's gracious, and he's patient, and he's kind, and he teaches us all along the way so that we can grow. Second way to check my thought, my uh, fruit is to have a um, growing ability to control my mind and thought life. I think part of that is being aware of what's going on in there and being attuned to what I'm thinking and being attuned to what sets me off and, and then paying attention and making a choice of what's going on in there and reprogramming what's going on in there. That involves reading the word and prayer and scripture memory, all those things to replace those wicked thoughts that go on. And then that way I develop a, a sound mind. I learned how to discern. And what happens when I do still have, I still have other thoughts, anybody else? Yeah. What happens when I confess them, right? I stay on top of them. That's all part of the growth process. Sin comes in, I confess it, God gives me a clean slate, and we move forward. Thank you, Lord, for that fresh start every time I ask forgiveness. Another test is, am I proud or humble? If we're proud, proud Prideful, sometimes it's hard to see it in ourselves. See what David says in verse 10. Oops, David says, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. So he has this desire to submit and to grow and understand what God wants and requires of him. So if we have that kind of desire to grow, that's a good thing. It shows um, a humility. I'm willing to do it God's way, and I need to know what that looks like. Verse 5 and 6 are precious. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes, then I would not be ashamed. We've lost our sense of shame in this country, ladies. You can do whatever you want, and it's not shameful. Nothing is considered sin. But David's heart knows that God has a standard, and if we don't live by that, then we'll be ashamed before God. And he's the one who matters. Prideful thoughts are things like, I want to do it my way. You know, I think our whole 
whole culture is like, just do it. Just get out there and do it. It doesn't really matter what it is. If you want to do it, it makes you happy. Just do it. I want it. I deserve it. And then we put things in God's mouth like, oh, God just wants me to be happy. I don't see anything in scripture that says, do whatever you want as long as it makes you happy. God says, stay within the bounds of my law. Stay within the bounds of my word. One of my favorite portions in, uh, gosh, I love the whole book, but 59 and 60. Listen to what David said. He's thought about, he says, I thought about my ways. You ever think about your ways? You ever stop long enough, ladies, to take a breath? You're really wound up about stuff. You know what? Stop. Take a breath. See. Think about your ways. Think about what you've just done. Think about what you've just said. Think about what you're thinking about. He says, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. So you're thinking about your ways, thinking, oh man, that was a that was a major <laughs> wrong turn. 180 degrees, I'm going to go God's way. Confess and turn. He said, I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. Isn't that amazing? Now, did David always do that? Well, we know by scripture that he didn't. David messed up. David went his own way. He turned from God and took what he wanted. And that was the story of Bathsheba. And all along that path, I'm sure that he rationalized and he plotted and planned to get what he wanted. But then there was consequences and confessions. Uh, in the New Testament, we look at Peter. You know, Peter loved the Lord, but did he mess up? He even denied Jesus. He denied he knew him. Yet he died for him at the end of his life. He lived for him and died for him. God's not asking for perfection. He's asking for our hearts. And he knows there's going to be a battle for us. It's this internal battle of the heart. Here's some other things to think about that would show signs of maturity. When I need counsel, where do I go? Where do I turn? Do I switch on Oprah and see what she's got to say? <laughs> Maybe I listen to a little prosperity doctrine. Things that are not great because I'm doing everything's great. What doesn't say that? He says he's with us even when things are hard, and he even afflicts us. He never promises us monetary prosperity, prosperity of things. He promises us prosperity of relationship, our relationships with him and with others. And he shows us the way to get there. So when I'm seeking that counsel, do I seek somebody who's, well, let's see, let me think, who would agree with me? Or, I know she'll tell me what I need to hear. It's going to be hard, but I'll ask her. Or maybe, if that's what you're saying, you already know the answer. <laughs> right? Listen to the counsel that God gives in your heart. He convicts us. So where I turn for counsel is a big part of a sign of maturity. And who do I hang out with? You know, Jesus says it's not wrong to hang out with sinners. We have to. But who are you intimate with in your relationships? Who are you willing to share with? And who are you allow, uh, willing to allow to influence you? You know, you hang out with the sinner friends, do you find yourself drinking or gossiping? 
or you hang out with your good, solid, like-minded Christian friend, and you're praying together and you're praying for each other. And you're talking about things that honor him. All right, so we talked about the signs of maturity. One would be where you seek counsel. Next is who you hang out with, who your confidence are, who you're allowing to influence you. This is a big one for our kids. What's that? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Good counsel here. We're going to get to that for sure. And how do I like to spend my time? Am I addicted to social media? It happens, ladies. It happens to adults. Imagine what our kids struggle with. How am I spending my time? And do my pastimes glorify God? It is not wrong to look at the news. It is not long, wrong to check your friends and your family on Facebook. It's not a sin. But how much is it drawing you away from time to do things that really matter? Is, are you addicted to it? Check your heart on that. How important is it to you? If I told you you had to fast for a day, a week, a month, would you have like convulsions? I mean, think about it. Check your heart. <laughs> and on the, under the topic of how I spend my time, I have a friend who recently started going to a new church. And the, the ladies uh, whose children had grown up spent a lot of time, spend a lot of time in Bible study. There's Tuesday morning and Wednesday night and Thursday morning. You know, it just goes on and on. And that's okay. Except, she said, you know what these ladies tell me? They tell me they're bored. They're bored. She said, and they're not serving. She said, what is the problem here? I don't get it. I said, the problem is women love knowledge. You know, it's kind of a, it's a self-satisfying thing. You know, I find myself in study and I just, you know, there's a point I have to say, I'm going to put this down and God's giving me what I need. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm always afraid I'm going to miss something or, you know, there's more to be gained or whatever, but God's word is sufficient. And what he's taught us is sufficient. And we can't spend our whole time just gaining knowledge. Why are you going to Bible study? Is it to impress the other ladies in your church? Or it's just a great place to hang out and find nice people? You know, what are you doing with the word after you get it? So, you know, if you have all this knowledge, you should be, we should be using that knowledge to serve others. We are called to serve. God tells us to sit at his feet, but he also tells us to get up, <laughs> get up and serve. She goes, oh, that makes such perfect sense. Well, it goes all the way back to the garden, right? What did, why did Eve take that fruit? Of that knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. She wanted, she wanted God's knowledge. She wanted to be like God. So, we talked about heart checkup number one. Are we saved? Heart checkup number two. Do we have fruit? And I wanted to move into um, number three. Check our heart for obedience. Still up there, also. Awesome. Ladies, we are called and required to keep these testimonies as Christians. We cannot live in willful disobedience and expect answers to our prayer or growth. You can't be divided like that. You can't be divided between your own desires and what God. I mean, we are divided, right? Because we have the old in nature. But we have this choice to make. And Jesus helped. We can't do it alone. We need him. 
He's given us everything we need as his children to grow and to obey. That includes his word. He tells us what's expected. He gives us his Holy Spirit who talks to us, who coaches us, who counsels us, who speaks to us, convicts us. And he gives us his protection and guidance. He calls us his children. So we have what we need to obey, but we struggle. What God tells us is that we need to submit to him. And that in submitting to him, we also have authorities in our lives that we need to submit to. And this is where a lot, I think, of Christianity breaks through. Because we don't like to submit. What do we say? Oh, if I submit, a, you know, they might abuse their, their authority. That goes in all areas, right? That's government, that's um, home, that's, you know, husband, whatever. People are afraid that authority is going to be abused. But God says, you know what? Authority is accountable to me. And you are accountable to me. So when we obey, we have to obey whether we feel like it or not. When God calls us to obey, we obey. And we obey what we do, and we obey with our attitude. You know the little story about the little boy who says he's, yeah, I may be uh, obeying on the outside, but on the inside, I'm sitting down, right? He's just, I'm doing what I want in my mind. I'm, you know, I'm not, God wants our whole heart. You know, the realization that, hey, if God's called me to this, it's because it's for my good. It's because it's the way he's designed it in his wisdom. We all submit to something, whether we realize it or not. We're submitting to the world in its ways and our sin nature, or we can submit to God and have the blessings of peace and fruit and power over sin and death. Everlasting life. Our salvation is not dependent on our works. Just want to say that. But God, we honor God, we glorify God by doing what He's called us to do. If we say we're Christians and we disobey, and we walk in disobedience, you know, in defiance, that's blasphemy. Because what is the testimony that the world sees? I had a friend in high school, and she actually brought me to the church where I accepted the Lord. And I thought she was so cool because she was a believer, but she still partied. It's like, wow, you can have it both ways. Wow, she was so cool. And then I realized I had a choice to make. I could keep partying or I could follow the Lord, and you can't have it both ways. That, mean, that doesn't mean you have no fun. It just means that kind of party. <laughs> Let's look at Titus 3, 1 through 8. Let's see what God has. I love this passage because it shows it shows a lot in one in just several verses. So Titus says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable. Gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves, we ourselves, we were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, 
living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Wow, we were deep in sin, weren't we? But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, but we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That passage shows where we've been and where God wants us to be as new creatures, right? It's a striking difference. That's what living as a witness is all about, don't you think? You know, it's easy to be the bad things, right? It's harder to set our sights on God to, to obey, especially when it comes to authority. And in America, we're terrible. We're so autonomous, you know, we think everything's about us. Um, when you go to Europe, they can spot you from a mile away. Because of the way you dress, for one thing, and because of your attitude, it's all about you. You Americans, you think it's all about you. You know, there are cultural things, ladies, that we have absorbed that are not necessarily of God. I believe our country was founded on Christian principles, but we... As a people, as time has gone on, we just think we're all that. And we think we have all these rights. And that plays into how we see God and how willing we are to obey. So think about that when, you, when you're pushing back, thinking, you know, why am I pushing back? Do I have a right to push back? Is this the place God would have me to push back? Or am I just supposed to be quiet? And listen, there are there is a place for both. But you know what we do? We think that anybody who... Um, is over us and doesn't agree with us is the enemy, right? That's not the way God wants us to see it. We start from the premise that they, I don't agree with them, but they most likely mean well. We may get to a place where it's not the, same, not the case, but right now in this country, you know, we have a lot of freedom and we can trust, um, you know, that whatever's, um, I'm not gonna go there, but for our families, for our husband, uh, you know, but he, he means, even if I know it doesn't agree. But we said, we, when you come from the place of thinking of people as your enemy, it's a snowball effect. So I had this thing yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, why am I here? And I think it's because of this lesson. Maybe I, I don't know which comes first, if you're more aware because you're teaching it or because God allows it so you can really understand better. But there's a gentleman that works with us in our business. He, has, he provides us a service. And I don't necessarily trust him. He's done some things that makes him makes me question that. And so the day started out with something that had happened with him. And I assumed the worst because I don't trust him. And I see him kind of as the enemy of this in this context. And so worked through that and my son said he was just trying to help mom. I was like, okay. So the day went on and there was another situation with the same guy. And again, I'm not trusting him. And I'm thinking, you know, he's he's really set me up here and he's the enemy. And then when I really stopped to take it kind of look at it, I was it's wrong. <laughs> Which really hurt <laughs> my pride. But um, you know, and the whole day probably was I was worn out by the end of the day because I I was all worked up over this stuff because I came from a place of mistrust. You know, and there are there are places for boundaries and all that, but in the general course of life. 
You know, when we set our sight on somebody as enemies, it's not going to go well because we're coming from that spot. And God tells us very differently. He tells us to be generous in our opinions of others, to be kind, and to be make peace as much as possible. That man, I was worked up because the wood is going on here. So anyway, that's always different. Thankfully, <laughs> God wants us to have this. He's working on us with this heart of flesh. We have this really hard heart, right? And God's word melts that stone away and gives us a heart of flesh. And obedience is not our natural state. You know, Adam and Eve was early on in their relationship with God that they sinned. They were disobedient. It's a sin of disobedience. And, with, and they passed that down. Our children, anybody with, sorry, they're not perfect. <laughs> if you're a mom for more than five minutes, you know the children have their own will. And they don't like to be obedient. They want to do what they want to do. That's the state of man, right? We got all worked up because we want things to be fair. We want it to be our way. And that's God. Humility says God tells me to submit. And I'm going to do that out of my love for God. Not because that person or that institution deserves respect. But because not God works. It's a big difference. I don't have to make it okay. I don't have to make it that, you know, I don't have to find that perfect leader because guess what? There isn't one. And I think it's really important as parents that we teach our children obedience. And we can do that, um, you know, as when they're from the time they're really little, they should know the word no. We never tell you, no, you're too cute. <laughs> Uh, but our children should understand no from the very beginning, right? And then as they grow up and they go to school and they have teachers, what are they going to do? They're going to go, that teacher was so unfair to me. You know, don't jump in, ladies. Give it a little time. Make sure that you know what you're talking about. There may be a case where you need to get involved, but most of the time the child just learns, needs to learn to obey. That teacher's so dumb. The homework is too much. Well, that's your opinion, but this is your teacher and this is your class. And let's see how we can get this done together. Don't, don't automatically take the child's teach him, teach him with coaches, with teachers, leaders. It will make their life easier if they understand how to submit to It really will. Do not spoil them and, uh, you know, take up all this. We, we don't like to see our kids hurt. So we're going to step in. We're going to fix it and make it right so they don't have to hurt anymore. It really hurt this where, remember, thank you, Lord, that you afflicted me. That's where growing comes. That's where character is built. It's okay. It's okay. And I would also say, you know, for your teens as they get older, depending on the, you know, you can start earlier, but just as far as the marriage relationship, hey, you're going to probably grow up and get married. You know, if you're a, a, if you're talking to your son, you know, all along the way, you teach him to respect girls, to respect women to respect authority, to respect hard work, to respect their father. All along the way, you're training them what this, what this authority and submission thing looks like. And hey, here's how you're kind. You never need to bully. You know, teaching them the skills to be good leaders. And putting them in positions where they can learn those skills. And for our girls, you know, when they come to you, you're teaching them all along the way about the boys, right? How did this, you know, I really like this boy. Well, how does he how does he treat other people? You know, teach him before it's any kind of romantic thing. Well, what kind of boy is he? 
How does he treat us? Have you ever seen him around his mom? How does he act when his mom picks him up? How does he treat the teachers? How does he treat other people? How does he interact with boys and girls? You know, teach them to analyze what they're seeing in other people and other kids. One thing I always told uh, Carol in particular, she had, had ended up with people would just gravitate to her and grab on. I said, if somebody who grabs onto you so fast and swears you're the best friend before they even got to know you, they're going to let go just that. You know, so teach them about what that, what those friendships look like. So that when it comes time to really choose a good partner, a good husband, that they're working with something, you know? Praise God. God intercepted all that for me. And he, he does that. You know, I have been married for 43 years. My husband's name is Rosie. We have six kids. Number 12 grandbabies on the way. I mean, it's, I'm very thankful. But that is not because of me. I did not learn good skills at home. I didn't. I'd only been a believer for about a year when I met this. Didn't know any of this stuff. And if I hadn't found this place, honestly, we would not be on 43 years. Be 44 next in March. Yeah. So God can intercede all those things, but we can set up our kids to understand a lot if we take the time to really teach them. So all that can be found in Ephesians 5 and 6. <laughs> if you're interested in submission, which you should be, but it talks about um, you know. Obeying authority, and it talks about believers being submissive to each other, and it talks about it does not say that husband and wife are submissive to each other. It says that the husband is um, accountable to God, and that the wife is accountable to us. But as believers, if your husband is a believer, you do have that place where you can speak to each other. You know, if your husband's not a believer, you won't have that ability to be able to um, encourage each other. And to grow in that way together. It's really important. And that's something else that kids should know about too. We should know the scripture means. We should know the scriptures in the five and six. That it does tell us that we're submit to submit to our husband in all things. Now, all submission is under the cover of God's grace. If someone asks you to do something outside of God's word, then the authority no longer. If something is abusive or it's Sexual abuse or something dishonest like stealing or whatever, you're not you're not bound to those things. But most of us don't have to face those things. We like to look at those. See, see, that's the exception. I, I you know, I just have to watch for those exceptions. No, we need to walk each day and in, in looking for that opportunity, is what it said. But for the opportunity to be ready to serve. But we like to have those little caveats in Well, what if? When what if comes, we'll talk about it. And I'll show you what to do. Jump to hit. So I want to ask you how is your heart health? Do you know the Lord? Are you growing? Are you obeying his word? Do we need support? Yes, God says we all need support. And how do we find that support? Well, we talked about the word and the Holy Spirit. How about other believers, ladies, and communities of support like this one? Why do these ladies all come every week? Do you new ladies know that some of these ladies have been here? How many years, Joe? 30. More. 
Is it 30 or more in Jan? 36. 36, yeah. I was here younger and then came back. Why do we come? I love these ladies, but I don't come just for ladies. And you don't come because of my amazing teaching. You come because your word, because it's not. But you come because um, the word. And you need the support and you need the reminders. We all do. I hope you bring your friends, ladies. I love it when you bring new gals. You get the love on them. And they it's really, really fun. And they come and they have a, it's not so fun when they come and they're like, what is this? I've had ladies do this the whole time. They let me know this is not my thing. It's all right. Maybe another time. <laughs> the ladies that come and they're hungry for the word and they've never heard this before, like little sponges. I don't have to worry about you. I never have to say, turn off your phone or, you know, quit talking. Or when I look out, I see ladies who are just looking right back at me. They're taking notes, they're engaged. And then we talk second out and they were listening because they love the Lord. They want to know what are his commands. I want to obey. What does he say? And ladies, our whole motivation should be because we love Jesus. Not because we want to be better people, but because we love Jesus. And in that love, we become better people. We become better wives, better um, employees, better people, better friends, better sisters, better mothers, better daughters, right? God's word is amazing. If we need support, we have good counsel here. Any of the leaders would be happy to visit with you about any concerns you have, any support you need. I did want to say, ladies, um, you know, if you struggle with doubt ever, it's okay. Struggling with doubt is a very normal thing. You know, if I if I doubt God, if I doubt his word, don't leave. Don't leave. Pray and lean in. Right? I had a season about eight years ago where I just couldn't shake this doubt. I when I became a believer, that was it. I, I never had a doubt. And it wasn't until about 20 years later it hit me really hard. I had all these doubts. And I was like, where did this come from? Uh, it came from some conversations I had with a, with a friend that I was like, oh. And I just I just was still and I prayed. And I had to wait. And it was it was about a year I had to work through it, but it was a place I needed to go because. So don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. If you're struggling with doubt, find one of us to hang on to that help us pray with you. You know, maybe you maybe you doubt God's wisdom. We can all there are many of us here can testify to how wise God's word is and how obeying his ways, how submitting to authority, how that all has blessed our lives and our husbands. Do you know how many husbands push their ladies out on Thursday? Here, let me fix your breakfast. Make sure you got gas. It's raining here, taking a row. Right? They just can't wait. Isn't that awesome? That's a testimony. It's a softening heart, ladies. That's, that means you're growing. Verse 114. Psalm 119, 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. God is our hiding place and our shield. These things that he teaches us protect us. He is the place to hide. We don't need the world systems for our families, for our homes, for our mothering, to be a, a, a godly wife. All that we need is in him. 
Let's close with prayers. Ladies, prayer ladies. Oh, dear Jesus. Wow, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement. Lord, I just pray for a sense of hope and encouragement, knowing that you provide all that we need for to live according to your word. Lord, that gives us hope. We love you, Lord, and we're so very thankful that you loved us before we even knew you. In Jesus' name, amen.